Thank you for that song. Let uh, orchestra dismissed. Appreciate that and great message in that song. You know, we can have everything else, but you know the who we need is is Christ. Christ alone. Grateful for that and. Well, we read this evening in 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, some familiar verses perhaps to you and I. And I want to bring you to attention uh, in verses 9 and 10 of which we will cover. We already looked at um, in the last week a couple of the, the warnings regarding uh, some teachings that were contrary to what Paul was teaching and he really is starting to drive this home, the testimony of godliness. We, we saw the right standard of that in, in what we, um, how we are to live God in a godly way, and that's the words of Christ. Uh, we saw then the, um, the rebels specified how those that would uh, believe and follow after the contrary way, the, their character, their nature. And then we saw what the real surplus was. We saw what the true gain was, and that's contentment mixed with godliness. And so really, this is coming from that, and, and there's going to be a stark contrast here, and it starts with that word, but. But they that will be rich. And you know, the, the, the Bible is not decrying those who have riches, but the Bible is indeed speaking to those that will be rich. And uh, I think as we uh, unpack these two verses this evening, what we're going to recognize is it's, this, is, this is really uh, one of the, the, the key issues even of our day. You think about the city that they were in, Ephesus, and it was a major uh, trade, uh, trade route. We see that the people here in that day saw a vast amount of opportunities to gain and to have riches. It was on offer. We've already seen a warning to God's ministers about uh, going after filthy lucre. And we see here that, that really in, in that context of the original audience of this, uh, this letter in the Bible, there was a great allure for them of the kind of living that riches could bring. The kind of trappings that, that having riches will, will certainly open doors for. And it reminds me of Lot who... In the Old Testament was offered the, the option between one field or the other. He, he went after the well-watered plains that faced Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know the rest of the story. We understand that, that because of that, uh, the, the allure of the riches of that place, uh, he was entrapped and ensnared. And we certainly see that brought out for us here in the Scriptures. We, uh, I believe as we look around us, the reason why people are in, in heavy debt the reason why there's a lack of uh, perhaps even giving to the Lord's work, why even God's people are entrapped by the materialism of the day, is really this wile of the devil. Remember, the Bible tells us to be wary of the wiles of the devil. This is one of his wiles. This is what he often offers those that, uh, that, that perhaps God could greatly use, and yet they're entrapped by this. It's the love of money and the desire for riches. And we understand that, that really, when it comes to it, riches when acquired in the natural course of things, whether inherited or by hard work, um, the acquirement of that isn't the thing that is wrong. 
in fact, if we were to consider it in comparison to the rest of the world, all of us here who are living here, whether you see it or not, the reality is we're, we're far richer than the great majority of the world. We're probably in the top 2% of the world just because we live in Australia, just because of the opportunities that we have here. And so this is uh, very much relevant to us uh, to, uh, tonight to understand that it's not the acquirement of that that is necessarily the evil. It's the, the desire for it and the longing for it. We see here the key word in that first phrase that we read, but they that will be rich. So we see that word will is key here. It's got the connotation of being overly determined. In fact, obsessive and about becoming rich, about gaining, about getting more than they really need. And, and this is really a sharp contrast to that challenge of, a, of a, a testimony of godliness that is paired with contentment. Remember, we, we looked at the, the very minimum standard of that and having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. And so actually God's measure, the baseline for it, and you might have your own baseline, but God's baseline for contentment is food and raiment, food and clothing. And so He says that's the great gain. That's the minimum standard of which you can call you. you my expectation for your contentment is. But then He sharply contrasts that with those that will be rich. Those who want to go beyond what they just need, they're, they're, they're just uh, compromising themselves for that insatiable longing for riches. And if we're honest this evening, you know, all of us desire more. But this is beyond just desiring. This is a longing. This is an obsessiveness about that. This is compromising yourself for the sake of getting more. And, and firstly, as we look at this, really this related syndrome to, to that challenge of, of godliness with contentment, we see a general result. Notice there the, the general result of those that will, will be rich. Notice this, the Bible says, fall into temptation and a snare. A snare is a trap. But they fall into temptation in a snare. Someone said it this way, in contrast, so in contrast to contentment, greed for more opens the door to temptation. This temptation comes in the form of unwise, lustful desires that impede one's spiritual progress as a trap holds an animal that gets tangled. You know, I, I remember an illustration that a preacher used about a, a, a monkey who, how they would trap monkeys. They would put um, uh, some food that was easy to grab in a, in a can and they would go in there and, and take hold of that um, of, of the, the fruit, the apple and the bananas. And, and whilst they were holding on to that mole, they couldn't release their hand from that can, from that trap. But as soon as they, can, they let go of it, it was as easy as them just slipping out their hand like they, they did in the beginning. And, and unfortunately, I believe the allure of riches can so easily uh, grab our attention. And we, even as believers, can, can be entrapped by that longing and that greed for more. And he's saying this is the general result. Those who will be rich those who long and are obsessive about it, those who make it their only life goal, their major goal, their primary purpose, the general result of that is that they fall into temptation and a snare. Uh, 
you ever notice as you look in a mirror that it has a silver backing? And it's got the, it, this picture of, you know, you looking at yourself and you're just looking at that silver and pretty soon you, you just lose focus on anything that's, that, anything around you. All you're seeing is the, the glistening and the glittering. And before long, all you no longer are looking at the Lord. You're taking your eyes off the Lord. And all we see is self and what we could be. All we see is the pleasures of the world and all of those uh, added temptations of that. And we better take great care. You know the general result of those who will be rich? Who, who really, that's their obsession? Who really, that's their, their great desire? Their, their existence every day is to get themselves further to that goal that they have is really this. The general result is to fall into temptation and a snare. And I didn't, I didn't come up with that. God came up with that. And don't you, don't you know that God knows our hearts? And so he, he gives us that general result of this syndrome. But notice he goes further. He says there's a greater ruin. Not only do they fall into temptation and a snare, but they fall into many foolish and hurtful lusts. Notice what he says there, many foolish and hurtful lusts. That word foolish there has the, the idea of unthinking. You're no longer without, without any thought. There's no logic to what you're doing. In fact, beyond that, you're, you're unthinking towards the things of eternal life, towards the things of eternity. You're, 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 you're now uh, unthinking about the things that truly matter to God. That's what the word foolish there means. You're no longer mindful of eternal things. You know, sometimes we hear the saying, uh, someone can be so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Here's what I want to say. I've never met anyone like that, like that ever. <laughs> you know what I generally find when you really sit and talk with people is that they're so earthly minded, they're no heavenly good. They're so enamored with this world. They're so desirous of what this world can offer that actually, as far as heaven is concerned, their salvation is great, but not much more they can add. They've not built upon the, the foundation of faith that they've been given. And yet what we see in the Bible is given us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And so we see that. The, the result of that is many foolish, and notice this, and hurtful lusts. The word hurtful simply means damaging. These are, the implication is, a, is you're lusting after the wrong things, the evil things, to the point that you've damaged your soul. Seeking these lusts, evil desires. You know, the Bible tells us about our nature in Proverbs 27.20, hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. Have you ever been to a place where you're eating and, and your eyes were hungrier than your stomach? You know, you, you think, you're looking at this, oh man, that would be great, and you order the biggest thing and you end up not finishing it. Some of you are like, no, Pastor, I've never experienced that. You know, I've always finished my meals. <laughs> but, but, you know, th that just is a, is a simple reminder for us that often our, our eyes are bigger than what we can satisfy. Often we, we look at the things that the world seems to offer, the riches that it so promises. And if we're not careful, we desire those. And really what it comes down to, the, the greater ruin is this. We become 
we, we, we lose sight and we lose thought about the eternal important things to God. And we begin to have hurtful lusts, damaging lusts, seeking after those evil desires and we're never satisfied. And so he warns us, he says, they that will be rich, they fall into many foolish and hurtful lusts. Then notice this in the next phrase, which drown men in destruction and perdition. And we see really lastly here, as we look at this verse, we see a grave repercussion. There's a grave repercussion to us if we would allow ourselves to have that kind of desire for riches. He's saying there the, the end result will be that it drowns men. Notice there, it drowns men in destruction and perdition. Now, I don't know about you, but, but the last thing I, I want, if I was to choose how to die, the last way I would choose is to drown. I, I would hate to drown as, as my way of death. Uh, one, because I'm not a good swimmer, so there's a high likelihood I would do that. But, but secondly, just the thought of suffocating, the thought of being underwater and not being able to breathe, you're, 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 you're just sinking and sinking without any kind of hope. That's what the Bible's picturing. He's saying it drowns men. Notice that it doesn't drown men in water. It drowns men in destruction and perdition. You know, it's, it destroys people's lives. It, it suffocates them. And, and you know, you might think it's funny, boys. But actually, if you want to go down that path, you better take great heed. You better take heed to what the Bible's saying because there's a grave repercussion for you if you continue to follow that. If that, that's all that matters to you, if, if all you desire is to one day be rich, then you know what? What's the Bible saying? You're going to drown in that. You know, sometimes we view riches as, the, as what will solve the issues of our lives. Often we'll look at that and we'll say things like, you know, if only I had more. If only I had that, then, you know, this, this emptiness that I feel won't be there. And yet, many times, there are many examples in history. But one particular man said, that, said it this way, uh, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a famous Welsh physician-turned-preacher, made the following comments. In an address delivered to the Literary and Debating Society at Westminster Chapel, he said it after becoming a member of the Royal College of Physicians. He said this, Of course, the fallacy which underlies all these things, and here the context of what he was speaking about the pursuit of money, is a very old one. It is that if you are wealthy, you are happy. Quite by accident. It has been my lot to be able to study a large number of wealthy men at close quarters. He was privy in, in association with the British Prime Minister, David Lloyd, uh, Lloyd George. He was uh, privy to authors like Rudyard Kipling. He was privy to men like King Edward VII. And many other wealthy and prominent members of the British nobility were patients of his uh, mentor, and so he was in touch with them, and so he had first-hand view of those who had great riches. 
And the conclusion, he says this, at which I have arrived concerning them has been that they are intensely miserable people. Their misery being exceeded only by those who worship wealth and have it not. And we understand, again, I want to be balanced here and say it's not, it's not the riches themselves. If God blesses you with that, and God allows that through the natural means, through hard work, through inheritance, or so forth, then I want to say later on God will give you advice about that in the same chapter. But I do want to say this though, the observation of those who have a great worship for wealth is really this grave repercussion. Really, they're drowned in destruction and perdition. And so there's a great warning there for us about this syndrome. And, and, and you know, one of the, the things about this is that it, it's not inherently obvious. You know, you can't tell someone about, uh, the, regarding this, you can't tell someone apart who is he's struggling with this with someone who may dress a certain way. or it, it, Sometimes it's just this idol in the heart. And so tonight, I want to say that as we're going through this, we shouldn't be thinking and looking around. We should be allowing the Spirit of God to examine our own hearts. We should be looking at that as like, is, this, is the Bible speaking about me here? Is the Spirit of God illuminating me about this? And then notice he goes on about this, this related syndrome to contentment. He says in verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil. And just in case we didn't get it the first time, he repeats it really. He, he's really expanding on that thought of, for, but they that will be rich, he's saying that it's this, it's the love of money. It's not money itself, it's the love of money. That's the root of all evil. And so we see, nextly here, an intrinsic mistake. He says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. When when something is a root, the meaning is this, it's the cause, right? When it's the root of the problem, that means it's the cause of the problem. So he's saying the root of all evil is the love of money. And so we must pay attention here. You look around the world and you understand the vices of this world. You understand some of the great evils and the great wickedness of this world and what he's saying, the root of all of that is the love of money. And so he's, he's making a, a statement here. And what he's saying, this is an intrinsic mistake that people make. They, they think it's, it's okay to flirt with money. It's okay to have a little desire for it. But he's saying, no, the love of money is the root of all evil. It, you know, when something is a root, it's also not only the cause, it's hard to remove. That's why the Bible calls bitterness the root of bitterness. Because bitterness is hard to remove. And so tonight, he's saying this, using the same phraseology, the root is this, it's, it's the love of money. It's hard to remove. Once it's there, it's hard to repent of and get right. Once it's there, it takes you down much further than you want to go. And so he's saying, be careful really. He's saying, be warned about that. He's saying, examine your heart about it. He's saying, make sure that, that uh, although uh, at times money is a need, make sure that it doesn't become a love. See, many people 
make all sorts of decisions based on the need they feel for money. And yet we are already told earlier in Scripture, in fact, through Jesus' teaching, that you can't serve God and mammon. And he's saying here, there's this intrinsic mistake. You think about it, many, uh, many different characters in the Bible teaches us this. You think about the great betrayer, the great traitor. What was his name? Judas. Judas, and we know the, the Satan used him. But what did he sell out Jesus for? How many? 30 pieces of silver. He, he sold out Christ for some. That's the great betrayer. The great fake Judas. We think of another character by the name of Achan. Remember Achan? That they, they had just crossed into the very border of the promised land. Right there, this great mighty city, Jericho. And they had this battle plan that really was just wrought of the Lord. They go in, and prior to that, Joshua warns them, don't touch the accursed thing. This is, he says, don't take any of it. This first one, this first city, the, the principle of the first fruits, says this first city is for the Lord. Don't take any. Destroy it all. And what happened, Achan came in and unknown to really anyone else. They go in and, and he sees the Babylonish garment, sees the gold, he sees all of that. And what does he do? He takes it. Doesn't he? And you know, no one else saw, you know, in that day, they didn't have any surveillance cameras. No one knew how much money was there, how much riches. We just knew there were. And so Achan takes it, he hides it amongst his stuff. By the way, that's often where we hide what we steal from God amongst our stuff. And there he's hidden it away. And what happened? You know, no one else might know your love for money, but God knows. And God saw. And God saw that Achan, unlike anyone else who left everything, Achan took and he had the love for money more than the love for anything else. And what happened with Achan? He got singled out. His family perished because of Achan. And, and there's this intrinsic mistake that we make about money. It led to the ruin of them both. And the root was the love of money. Then we see that flowing from that, which while some coveted after, notice this, they have erred from the faith. No. The next thing is this, an inescapable misadventure. There was, there was a misfortune, really, and while some coveted after, the word covet is to desire something that does not belong to you. Right? God warns us about coveting. That's how He defines lust, by the way. Saying so it doesn't belong to you. But, but this ungodly desiring for more money, it, it brought many to depart from the faith. Because it says there, while some coveted after, so in the context of love for money, they have erred from the faith. Erred is to depart, to move away from, to not walk in line with. He's saying they've erred from the faith. And, and so to, to covet that, the result of that is this, it's inescapable, you will err from the faith. 
That, that means this, you can't tow, you can't tow yourself both ways. You, you can't sort of sit on the fence about it. No, 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 this is inescapable. This will be the result. You will err from the faith. If you continue to love money, which is the root of all evil, then this is inescapable for you. You will be departing away from the faith. And how many times do we see that? Fathers who choose work over worship. Mothers who neglect the home to bring home more. Young people who pursue the cash over the call. And how many err from the faith, they were never the same again. And we better take great care about that. And so we see there this inescapable misadventure. You're going to err from the faith. But then lastly, notice this, and pierce themselves. So notice that it's no one else's fault. They were doing it to themselves. And pierce themselves through with many sorrows. And here's the last thing. It was an inconceivable misfortune. Now, isn't it ironic that as we seek fortune, we find misfortune? And there we see they were pierced through with many sorrows. And here's what I'm saying. The love of fortune only results in the most unimaginable of misfortunes. And here the imagery giving us pierced themselves through with many sorrows, is this, it's endless self-torture. You know, we, we don't really get a whole grasp of what torture is. We can see perhaps ancient instruments of torture. You know, the rack that stretches you and all of that. The Iron Maiden where you close and you look at that and it, those, are, those have been outlawed and those are horrible things because of what it did to people. But he's saying, imagine if you came and you did it yourself. Imagine the, the thing that most terrifies you and you did it to yourself. Imagine the thing that would be the worst torture for you and you did that to yourself. And what he's saying here, you're, you're pierced through. You're pierced through yourself with many sorrows. It, it, the imagery here is endless self-torture. That's what it is. Many people are tortured with what could have been because of their desire and greed for more. Many can't sleep at the evil that they had wrought because of the love of money. You understand this today. The love of money has caused the wrecking of lives. Those with broken homes because of gambling. Those with a wrecked conscience made dull by selling debauchery. Those who are guilty of addicts and the cause of domestic violence for peddling money, making drugs and liquor. Those who have spent more time working than investing in their own family just for more. Those who would stoop so low as to sell the, the very dignity of people in the, 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 uh, the, the porn industry. You know why they do that? Because they love money, and it's the root of all evil. And you know, we rob ourselves. We rob ourselves of what is best, of what is most godly. When we put money and the love of it over our love for God. Because really, that's what it is. Godliness with contentment is great gain. 
And so in, in sharp contrast tonight, we see this related syndrome. And that's why church tonight, I want to say this to you, we better take great care to be content in Him. We better take great care to be content in our Lord. We better take great care to be content in what God has provided us. And we better take great care if that feeling and that sense of longing creeps into our hearts because the love of money is the root of all evil. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the great warnings of Scripture. And Father, we live in a society that, uh, Lord, can give us opportunity to live a lot more affluent if we wanted it. Lord, the, the, the world promises great riches. And yet, Lord, you've called us to a life of contentment. And Lord, we understand you will bless whom you will bless. And Lord, really, when it comes down to it, we are blessed people. But Father, the reality is this. It, it, it's so easily for us to allow that will to be rich, to become the predominant decision maker in our lives. And I pray that you'd, you'd save us from that. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to, uh, to heed to the Spirit's early warning signs, Lord. And I pray even for some of our young people here tonight, Lord, who are making decisions based on an intended path that, Lord, you've clearly warned them will, will lead to a life of destruction. I pray that you'd help moms and dads here tonight, Lord, who... who Lord, in, in, in spite of all of the, the, the promises that you've given them, will choose some things that will cause them to go down this path. Help us, Lord, in our daily living not to fall for the, the alluring of this world. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord, then to live godly with great contentment. I pray these things in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. All right, let's all stand.